to Porch Wine and Gravy, Episode 2. Hey, we got a good show for you today. We have Matt the Hat from New Orleans, an old and dear friend of mine. We're going to talk to him today about serving Eastern European food, which you cannot actually find in most places. No, especially oh, no. not in Louisiana. Especially not in the back of a bar. That's true, too. And we're going to, it's a nice surprise little in New Orleans that I love to send people to. We're going to talk about that, Nostrovia, why he's called Matt the Hat. And how good pierogies can be. Along with Matt the Hat, we're going to do the recipe for buffalo steak kebabs. And you hear the story about how they got invented in the very, very strange place I came up with them. Stay tuned. So when I met Matt the Hat, he was trading me pierogies for beer. And now he's a respectable restaurant owner in New Orleans. All right, so today we're at Kuknia. Yeah. I was looking it up. It's really funny to spell. Most people just say Siberia. Kuknia Siberia means the kitchen at Siberia. And it's in almost all of the Slavic languages is the same word. So Polish, Ukrainian, Russian. It all, it all means kitchen. Kuknia means kitchen. And so this is Matt. I call him Matt the Hat, and that's because I've known him forever, like when I was young and spry and, you know. Matt is the owner of Kuknia, or owner chef, chef owner. So I'm gonna, we're going to have you explain. I want to get like a visual, people understand what it is here. So you don't expect this food to be in the back of this bar. It's just an old-fashioned, you know, Eastern European American kitchen in the back of a music club. You know, just like a lot of places. <laughs> All right, let's get you how you got here. Like, we know how you got here, obviously, but New Orleans. Like, what started you in New Orleans, and then what was the process to finally got you your own, you know, restaurant in the back of a music club? Oh, well, I was in New Orleans for college and um, just ended up staying, dropping out of college because um, I had no idea why I was there in the first place, just <laughs> that I wanted to cook somewhere. So, um, yeah, we, um, my family is, uh, um, well, my father's family is Ukrainian. And uh, I learned some things from my grandmother, my Aunt Stella, and um, always, there was always a gap here for that kind of food. So even in college, I would cook in the dorms and pack duffel bags full of pierogi and sell them in bars and stuff just to get drinking money. And I think that's probably where we met, you know, Molly's. Yeah. And the story is, uh, Matt would come in, like many, many of my young, my young men who were chefs or cooks who had no money but we were used to, used to trade pierogies for beer yeah. and I was like I can do this deal yeah. and luckily I can't get fired now <laughs> yeah. so I'm sure Jim would have me fired for that now but I was like anytime you want to bring pierogies remember people used to get mad because I wouldn't share them yeah. and I was like no we had a deal you don't have a deal with Matt you're going to have to get money which now they do give you money for your pierogies I think your pierogies have been around this part of New Orleans almost longer than anything. I mean, you really have been serving pierogies for, what, 20 years? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I would say so. Not necessarily legitimately, but yeah. <laughs> Who's your biggest crowd or your draw? Is it tourists or is it locals? Oh, I would definitely say the neighborhood, for sure. I mean, it's pretty cheap eats. There's, there's always music. It's a place to hang out as, as well as eat. You know, it's not really a restaurant so much as it is, um, you know, you go order from me in a window in the back of a music club. So there's not, like, uh, servers walking around 
But yeah, we, we do, we have a strange mix. It's, you know, young kids in the neighborhood that come to see shows, and then people, um, actually like a, a large group of older folks who may have grown up with the food or cooked the food or came from uh, Ukraine, Russia, whatever. And um, yeah, it's, it's weird to see a mix in this back room. It's actually pretty nice. Other than pierogies, what is the most popular traditional base dish? Um, I would say probably the beef stroganoff, because that's one thing that a lot of people recognize, you know. And we do it well. I mean, we, we kind of braise the meat a, a long time. It's really tender, and um, I think the sauce has more to it than uh, most people would put into it at home. And yeah. they were like, you know, it's really good stroganoff. Like, what do you think, what is the big difference between kind of the American version, which is just meat and throw a little sour cream in the end, and the actual traditional version? I think actually the traditional version is like really expensive meat and it's barely cooked, you know. But that's, um, I think in America, you know, things have rotated and, and, you know, through the generations, recipes change, of course. But, I mean, the root of it is still, you know, sour cream, some kind of tomato, uh, beef, vegetables, you know. Just the way we do it is that we braise the beef like for like a really long time. It's really tender. And um, I think the way a lot of people have had it um, at home is they stir fry the beef and put vegetables and sour cream in it or some kind of spice mix, hamburger helper. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody's heard of that with some egg noodles. You know, that's, that's the way we, we eat it here in America. And I feel like um, if, you get it, if you get it from us, you'd be like, wow, this is actually some care was taken into this <laughs> rather than just like throwing a bunch of beef in some pan with some sour cream. So I, I do, I mean, I'm sure you probably would hate this description, but I kind of, what I enjoy about this place is, you know how everybody's always searching for something that's different, and, and usually it's not really, you know, they say it is, like, oh, I'm going to the Praline Connection, because it's, you know, we're hats, it's like, yeah, but that's a major tourist spot, you're not really doing anything different, and for y'all, it really is different, like, I can't name another place where I could possibly watch a Cajun band and eat Polish food or Slavic soul food. I don't know another place in the world where you'd be like, oh yeah, so I'm gonna listen to some Cajun fiddle and chom down on some actual pierogies and that's gonna happen. And wait, and I'm gonna get a shot of Jameson while I'm doing it. And maybe a Bloody Mary. Like, name me one other place. I can't think of anywhere else that would happen. It's true, I don't think we've actually like tried to make it weird or different or anything. I think uh, I think it just kind of happened, you know. They the club existed before I moved the kitchen into it, and the club was called Siberia for reasons other than being Eastern European. I never thought about that, but it's true. It was here, and then you moved in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the owner Luke uh, is a friend of ours, and um, we've known each other a long time. And him knowing that I was kind of the only. Um, professional cook who made any kind of Eastern European food. Um, it was just kind of a natural move in. Yeah, we just fit. Yeah, man, you think about it, you don't realize that. But all those pierogies, all those years, Luke was like, hmm, yeah, who do I know? Oh, it was the It was always in the plan. Yeah, I, I knew I would end up in a music club in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> do you have, of course you have, a favorite dish? It kind of just all encapsulates. I always tell you, you have a story or a memory, but a dish that really just, I don't know, makes you feel at home. 
what you always kind of go to. It's just that that one dish, you know what I'm saying? That that really kind of that's it. I'm I'm always gonna love this for the rest of my life, no matter. Yeah, easy answer. It's pierogi. I mean, it's still my favorite food. You know, even though my grandma and my aunt still have both passed, I feel like I'm the only one making them in my family. Uh, for all the get-togethers, all the dinners, you know, I always try to bring them, and um, I'll never make them as good as them. But oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, they make them real small, each one handmade. You know, I've, in the restaurant we've developed a system where we have, we, you know, we can make a bunch of them at once. We have a little mold that shapes them. You know, it's. Yeah, it's like a, a mold. You put dough on it, and you know you fill it, and it presses them out in pierogi shapes. It's a lot easier. But <laughs> but when I do make them at home for family, I always make them with my hands. You know, cut little shapes out with the glass and fold them up. I always and do you like? I know it sounds strange, but when I make gumbo, no matter how many times I've made it, which everybody I don't can't even thousands memories always flood back, especially when I'm making the roux. Like it's this weird. It's almost like a calming effect. Like I, I feel good. I feel like I remember sitting watching my grandmother's and then make roux. Like, do you get that same thing with pierogies? Or you yeah, you know what? It's the onions. It's the onions that go on top, and you get to that certain point where they just start smelling great. You know, and that's every time. Even even when I walk into the restaurant, sometimes I'll just get taken back. You know, yeah, it's a good smell. If you could feed anybody, like have them come in and you serve them, and you get to watch them eat your food, who would it be? Dead or alive? Or just alive? I say dead or alive. Dead or alive? Oh my gosh. Just alive if it's easier. I don't know. Thin Lizzy. Just the whole band. <laughs> just a whole original lineup. Just come in. I'm just I'm giving them seven courses. Yeah. <laughs> it's Thin Lizzy or nobody. Thank you, Matt, for visiting with me. It couldn't have been that hard since we've known each other so long. But it is always nice to visit with Matt the Hat. I'd like to do a side note. So everyone knows it's permanently on the radio. I am the reason Matt the Hat is a name. One day we'll tell the story. I actually forgot. He reminded me. Yeah. I came in to visit and he said, you know, you're the reason everybody calls me Matt the Hat. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And he's like, reminds me. And I'm like, so I just pretty much saddled you with a name that you can never get away from now. Yeah, but it's way easier to pronounce than my actual name. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't mind going by it at all. And I'm always at work, so I always got a hat on, so it kind of works. So if you're looking for a little gym in New Orleans, something a little different, something to show off to your tourist friends that you know a little more than the other people do, take them to Kuknya in the back of Siberia. You will never be disappointed. It's a tiny, tiny little kitchen that produces massively wonderful food. So today we're going to do the recipe for buffalo steak kebabs. It may sound a little strange, but believe me, it's awfully tasty. 
Oh, you just like it because you get to use blue cheese with it. And hot sauce. <laughs> and meat. It's all the things you love. And butter. It's hot sauce, butter, and meat. I don't understand how any of this can go wrong. <laughs> this is how it got invented. I know. So how's, how do we make this again? All right, we do a pound of ribeye steak that's cut in cubes. We put that in a bowl. That's, that's the easy part. While the steak's in the bowl, you take one and one-third cups of hot sauce, a cup of butter... Three tablespoons of vinegar, half a teaspoon of Worcestershire, half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper, a fourth a teaspoon of garlic powder, and a fourth a teaspoon of paprika, and then use salt, however much salt you like. I like a lot of salt. We like a lot of salt. So you take all those ingredients, the hot sauce, the butter, the vinegar, the Worcestershire, and the spices, put them in a pan. This is the really hard part. Turn it over medium heat, and you just whisk it till the butter melts. And then you simmer it for about 10 seconds at the most, and you take the pan off the heat, let it cool. Because otherwise you're going to cook. Well, yeah, you'll cook the acid. <laughs> you'll you cook the steak before you want to cook it. This is a lesson we learned the hard way. We did. Yes, yeah, so then you have gray meat. We've <laughs> Which like is gross. Gray meat is gross. Even if it's steak. It's even more gross that it's steak. Like that's Sadness. Should, it should not be gray. So, yes, let it cool a little bit before you pour it over. And then I pour half the mixture over the meat. And I reserve the rest for basting when I decide to grill it. Now, I let the meat marinate probably for an hour, but at least 15 minutes should be good. This makes a difference. It makes it, like, tangy. We And you go and start the grill while I'm doing all this. And then I just place the meat, once it's all marinated, on skewers. Yeah, we all know how to do that. Right? Easy peasy. I still don't know. I don't soak mine in water, but I guess you're supposed to. Anyway, so we take the meat, we place it on skewers, and then on your nice warm grill... You put your kebabs, grill a few minutes on each side until it's the temperature you prefer. We're more of a medium rare family. Yep. Or my daughters are rare. I'm I'm the loser who can't they're, get there. They're animals. <laughs> they're my boy. <laughs> they eat better than me. They do. They do. I know. As it's grilling, I baste it a couple times with the reserve sauce, take it off the grill, and I serve it with some homemade blue cheese dressing. And believe it or not, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it disappears very very fast. Even the naysayers, and I know people are like, oh, I'm not going to do that to steak. This is like a special occasion or something, you know? It's It really is like everything you love. It's meat. It's hot wings, It's which is made with hot sauce and butter. It's a like a finger food almost because you can eat it off the skewer. And you grill it, so it's got that great grill flavor. If you want this recipe or any other recipes you hear on here, you can go to porchwineandgravy.com. What's the weirdest place you've ever been? That is a really way too open-ended question. What about what's the weirdest place I've been lately? Uh, okay. What's the weirdest place you've been lately? That would be Hakumba. Hakumba. Hakumba, California. Okay. A tiny, deserted, old resort town in California in the mountains. So Hakumba was brought to my attention by my friend Stephen Ray, who is also where this recipe comes from. The... Buffalo steak kebabs. Yeah, Stephen Ray is the reason buffalo steak kebabs exist, and he's also the reason I found about Hakumba. So Stephen Ray tells us about this this place, Hakumba. And he's like, look, no cell service. There's just one resort left, and it's not a fancy resort. It's like a, a, like a drive-in motel from the 60s. The sign is even still from the 60s with a big pool in the middle. Now, if you can imagine those hotels you see in 1960s movies where everybody has that 
patio outside looking at the pool. You're right, yeah. But this pool is filled with the spring water from Hakumba, which is supposed to have all these wonderful health benefits, right? Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, everything sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> and then you pull into this town, and when he said it, I mean, he said it, but I was like, I don't think I really got it. Until I pull in, and we're going through mountains, and obviously Louisiana girl, I'm always like, look at all the big mountains of rocks. Like, I was amazed. And there's like this little neighborhood to the right. It's the first thing you see. And it's like spray-painted tiny trailers with like fake flowers. And what's weird is it's this giant desert, but they all live right there in this little neighborhood. Right? And it's not houses, it's like shacks and trailers. So you pass that up, and then you get to Hucumber Resorts. And it's, it's nice, it's not fancy. It's got the 1960s sign, you pull in, and then that's where the normality kind of disappears. You know, you check in, normal little hotel room, got the spring water pool, and then you decide to go to the bar. You know, it's the end of the day, got some cocktails. By the way, there is nowhere else to go in Hakumba. This is literally the only business in Hakumba. It's a tiny store down the street in this place. So then you wonder, why, why, who are these people? <laughs> like, they live here, they have no cell service, there's nothing within, I mean, it's literally everything is 30 to 40, like, I'd say 45 minutes away for anything. There's this crazy ghost town, literally it would tumbleweed, it would not, it's, and, and then these burnt down resorts that are kind of half left, and an abandoned train station. It's just all abandoned, everything. So you do start to wonder, like, why, why do they live here? What is he? What is he? <laughs> what is there? This and this crazy resort. I mean, some people do work for the border patrol, so I guess that's part of it. But I but, mean, is this where people go? But to the disappear? people over the border patrol don't live there either. They like come and work and stay places, and then they go back to normal places. I yeah. Mean, so the residents, though, like I mean, there are residents. There are residents. You don't see them going in and out of their houses, though. It's very weird. Anyway, so I'm sitting there at the bar. And, and I'm watching, and the bartender's pretty normal. And then I'm wondering, what, is she, what does she do on her, like, days off? There's, I'm not kidding, y'all. There's nothing in Hakumba. Was it, wasn't there a tattoo shop you were telling me? Uh, there was a closed and shuttered tattoo <laughs> shop. Everything that has tried to open in Hakumba has obviously not made it, except for this resort. And a bar. And No, the bar is in the resort. Oh, That's what so I'm telling it's, it's you. hand in hand. It's not like a resort resort. Don't like, I don't want you to imagine some sort of white towel and nice music. It's like a bar that serves breakfast burritos attached to a kind of a restaurant that serves the same breakfast burritos. <laughs> and then a pool full of natural water with no chlorine. So y'all just imagine that. <laughs> but it's nice. But it's weird. And, and the lady at the checkout desk. That's it. Wait, back to the pool. Uh-huh. So, is it the water that comes in and out, like, continuously? No. Wait. They fill the pool about once a week, and they drain it and clean it, and then fill it up again. <laughs> that can't be sanitary. It doesn't matter, Lucius. You're in a combo. Where are you going to go? But there's the health benefits of the springs. Right. And, you know, everyone else is, you know, I wouldn't think about it. I I went swimming. Leave me alone. (laughs) This is why they have the bar. (laughs) Forget about it. Okay. 
right now. It's crazy. I mean, it is. It's very, it is like, I can't even express it. It is like being able to go to a ghost town that is still slightly functioning. It's like a David Lynch film. That's what I kept saying. And the way, look, it became more and more because then I started to look around. I went for a walk with my friend Tom. We started noticing strange things. And then I thought to myself, Tom, think about this. There's like two reasons to live somewhere, right? But you work there. Okay, well, Hakumba only has one place, so there's not that many people that qualify for that category. You know, so that's what, five people? (laughs) Six? Work at the resort? So then, what are these other people in this neighborhood? Because think about it. They don't live there because, I don't know, the beautiful ocean views? No, it's the desert. It's hot. It's dry. Uh, Because it's convenient? It's not. It's not close to anything. Nothing. And there's no cell service. So then I realized, or I started to think to myself, do you think this is like, this is the place where people go when they need to disappear? Do you know what I mean? Right. And then you start wondering, who's living in those little trailers? What'd they do? Uh, What are they hiding from? uh, I think you're giving, that's a very boring answer. I'm thinking like serial killers, or you know, like have to change your whole identity because you're a part of some weird Russian gangster plot. This is where you go when your stuff is real. I'm telling you, I imagine different. I imagine like Clarice down the street is actually a Russian spy who got caught going for the Americans and now has to hide from everybody. So where does she go? Hakumba. Because no one goes to Hakumba except to go to the resort. And it's not like you leave the resort because where I left. I went for a walk. So multiple walks. You know what I saw? Empty buildings and sand. So what was the weirdest... <laughs> okay, what was the weirdest experience in Hakumba? There's no one weird. They're all weird. So it starts out we're all having drinks at the bar. There's nothing to do. So obviously that goes well. And first it's just some very weird dude who's very forceful who manages to kind of slowly push us out. Right? Because he's obnoxious. So we all move outside. And then you, I talk to a Border Patrol guy. Semi-normal. A little weird, smokes cigars, loves Mississippi blues. Don't really understand why he's in Hakamba. We visit, that's fine. And then everything started to go real weird real fast. Because my friends leave and I'm sitting by myself, right? So my friends leave and I'm sitting by myself at this table. And they're all around. They're all been drinking, so they're all visiting. But I'm just like, so now I've got this beautiful picture window that I'm watching my friends drinking and laughing over through... But I'm also watching all the strange characters come in now. Because now I'm on the outside looking in, right? Which it really was like watching a David Lynch movie come alive. <laughs> so the first thing is this lady comes walking in. She's got a muumu on and a turban, like towel turban around her head. And she's standing there and somehow she knows how to make the jukebox play the music she wants. Well, that's something. So she switches to like this crazy gangster rap song goes back to the bar and just starts like dancing her ass off. This is a middle-aged white lady, mind you. Not even middle-aged, she's like 60s. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And she's just like dropping it like it's hot and then goes, I, I see her wave to the bartender, grab something in her hand and she comes walking toward me. Like song is not over. She's just done shaking her booty. And she comes out, and she has this little tiny rolling suitcase and slippers and a muumuu and a turban. Just imagine. And she looks directly at me with her little tiny suitcase and goes, 
fine. I'll just walk. And I was like, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have a ride. I mean, like I told her no to a ride and now she's really pissed at me. And she does. And then she goes, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to walk. And she just storms off with her little tiny suitcase. And it's like, click, 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 click. And I'm like, where is she going? And dude, she just walks into the desert. <laughs> there's nothing there. There's no houses. There's no lights. All I know is at the end, there's a giant wall that separates us from Mexico. <laughs> that's the only thing I know that's there. And I can hear her little suitcase go off into the distance. And that was it. Bye, lady in slippers. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, it can't get weirder than this, right? And then this other woman comes walking up. And mind you, my friends are all have not noticing this. Uh-huh. And she has one of those giant shoes, you know, where it makes her taller, her foot on one side. Uh, like yeah. orthopedic shoes, yeah, but yeah. they have the big boost. Yeah. So she comes with one of those shoes kind of hobbling, sits about five feet away from me at a table, and starts looking directly into the other window, right? Uh-huh. But in her window, there's nothing because the restaurant's closed. So she's just looking into an empty restaurant and an empty wall. And she just leans over and she stares like that. Solid 10 minutes. I keep looking at her because it's a little weird. She doesn't even, like, doesn't move from the spot of staring in the wall. And I'm like, well, she's probably a little crazy. So I go in to get a drink, right? I turn around to leave, and she's moved. But all she's moved is to a table inside, staring at the same spot on the same wall. <laughs> Just sitting there staring, Lou. She's, like, bent over. like. Yeah. I even walked in behind her to see what she was looking at. She didn't turn and look at me like, I would think you'd be like, hey, lady, leave me alone. No, I was like, what are you looking at? Okay, nothing. We're looking at nothing. All right. And then I go outside, sit down, get my drink. Ten minutes later, the woman walks out the door and walks right into the desert. And I'm once again, I'm like, where are they going? I mean, this is one night. Think about all these people that came and left and walked into the vast darkness. This is dark time. There's nothing there. This is X-Files. No, I don't know what it is. I think it's David Lynch. I think I found I think I found some sort of weird, really, really <laughs> underpopulated Twin Peaks. Alright, where are we going? Hakumba Springs coming in the fall. Hakumba. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wanna take you because I feel like people don't understand. Also though, it's like if you want to go somewhere where stuff is really different. Do you know how people always want to go to the different things, but they've all been taken over by tourists and all that? Right. Hakumba's so far away. And so completely separated from society and modern life uh-huh. that you really have to want to go. Yeah. You have to be like, I will talk to no one for four days. We're going to go and it'll be interesting to see where, like, yeah. well, we'll get there and nothing will be there. No people will be there. And you'll look at me and you'll be like, no, I swear, things were here. Or this is my other fear. What if you go more than once and they don't let you leave? Maybe that's why they're all there. <laughs> it's like Hotel California. See, I think Acumba is Hotel California. You know, such a lovely place. Okay. For recipes from this show, including Matt's favorite dish, you can go to porchwineandgravy.com. You'll see there the buffalo steak kebabs and pierogies. <laughs> Well, 
that's all for us today, folks. Yeah, special thanks to Matt the Hat at Kuknia, the back of Siberia on St. Claude in New Orleans. The pierogies were amazing. Until next time, I hope you find some time on a porch, a little bit of wine, and lots of gravy. Nostrovia. Nostrovia. Nostrovia.